So last week, Pastor Todd began an exciting series called Heavenly Places. Briefly, let's kind of recap. He talked about how God is, is a spirit and we worship him in spirit and truth. He also talked about uh, how man relates to heavenly places. He talked about how God, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, relates to heavenly places as well as us as believers. What do believers need to know about heavenly places? He talked about the spiritual realm. He, he talked about the unseen world. There's an unseen world going on all around us. All around us. There's things that we cannot see that are going on. There is a very real timeline of events that are about to take place that we want to talk about uh, this morning. And also I want to talk about the majestic city where you and I will call home soon and very soon. It's our final abode. It's the place where God Almighty dwells. I want you to look at a, a verse of Scripture. It's in John 14, 1 through 3. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> I didn't, we went through one service and I'm still boiling with excitement. Amen. How can you not talk about heaven and put a fire underneath you? Because I'm not talking about some fairy dust place. I'm talking about a place that exists. I'm talking about a place beyond the stars, beyond the skies, where God Almighty is in heaven ruling and reigning. He's not up there worried about what's going on. He's not worried about the Middle East. He is chilling. He is relaxing. Everything is within his eye shot. It's in his eye shot, whatever is going on in your life also. We serve a mighty God. We serve a God who is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. I want to share a personal testimony here. There's a very real fear, and it's the fear of death. One out of one dies unless the Lord returns to receive us home. I can remember my dad always singing in the living room. I would go see him before church, and he was preparing to lead worship that Sunday morning. So he'd be singing and I'd walk in and I would just hear him singing and belting out the lyrics to, to music. But then came a Friday when instead of hearing that sound of majestic worship, all I can hear was an oxygen tank. And it was an oxygen tank that was helping him breathe. He would sit in his recliner where we would discuss life, where we would watch football, where my mom and him would discuss things of life and reflect on the things that, that they had gone through for all those years. They had been together since they were 12 years old. So to sit there and discuss with that, that chair replaced with a bed, where they used to discuss things, now he's reduced to mumbling, barely able to talk. Early that afternoon on a Friday, 
he would tell my mom, mumbling, okay, Carol, it's time to get ready to go. And she would crawl in that bed as they slept together for 42 years and they would hold each other. As he would eventually slip off with wonder in his eyes as he was looking up, we would have to come and close his eyes. As he transitioned from this place to the heavenly realm. As angels swooped down and said, Larry, let's go, and took him beyond the clouds, past the first heaven, past the second heaven, and into the third heaven, into the portals of glory. See, it's not that bad if you understand that death is the transition from one place to the next. Amen. 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 Praise God. See, when you see death or the rapture as going from one place to the next, it gives you hope. It gives you joy. One day you and I may be in a hospital bed and you will hear sounds of beeping as machines are trying to keep us alive. People will come in and try to pay their last respects. They will come in and try to tell you how much you meant to them. The doctor will say, Time is fleeting. And at that moment, you will, you will lie on that bed with joy in your heart, knowing that you did everything that God has asked you to do, and you are ready to depart from mansions on high, or you will sit in that bed with regret and discouragement, knowing that you squandered your life on yourself. But if you have faith in Jesus, you will leave that room and you will split the sky and you will stand in gates of pearl and gold streets and joy that will fill your heart will be unimaginable. Listen, this message may fall flat if I cannot explain to you the glory of heaven. So trust me, whatever I say, it's better than that. <laughs> it's better than that. But if you have decided that you do not want to live for Jesus, it's a totally different outcome. And Pastor Todd will be talking about that in the near future. Listen, there was a time when you didn't exist. When Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea, you didn't exist. When, the, when Rome towered over civilization, you didn't exist. But there will never be a time when you do not exist from here on out. When God breathed into a hand of dirt, you were created, and God's breath can never die. So that human being will live forever. The question is, where will you live? And it needs to be decided here on this day. When you pass away, the doctor will come and verify your death, your body will go into the grave and go back to dust. Your soul and spirit will depart and be with the Lord. And then at the rapture of the church, your soul and spirit will come and meet, the Bible says, with our bodies, and we will put on incorruptible. I'm here to talk to you about a place beyond the stars, beyond the sky, where sickness can never enter its gates. I'm talking about a place beyond the stars where roses never fade, where the blind can see, the cripple can run, the deaf can hear, 
It's a place where eyes don't cry and hearts don't break. It's a place with no night. It's a place where the miscarried and aborted run the streets of gold in joy and presence and power. It's the place where the abused never have to hide from their abuser, for they are embraced in the arms of the king, never to hear another abusive word or face physical trauma. There's no deformities there, no dark clouds of depression. It's a place where all of our questions get answered. There's no such thing as injustice. It's a place where people that are riddled with cancer in their body leave their sick beds and soar to the glory of God in heaven. There are no homeless there. For they dwell in houses created by the master architect of the ages. Our faith will end in sight and our Savior we shall see and we will be with him forever and forever. If you had loved ones that have passed on, they would tell you, don't cry for me. Don't cry for me. I'm in glory. I'm in peace. Instead, run your race. Keep going. Keep moving. Don't quit. Because when the last shot is fired and the dust settles, you will stand victorious on the streets of gold. Praise God. (laughs) Well, I feel that old Baptist wanting to come out. (laughs) Praise God. This will help you when you're sitting near the bedside of a loved one. It'll help you talk with them. It'll help you process and deal when you know that there is something better beyond the clouds. So what does this help you now? Heaven heaven will help you keep an eternal perspective here. We must realize this is not all that there is. Job said, if a man dies, shall he live again? And Jesus would thunder back in the New Testament in John eleven twenty-five 25 through 27. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes shall never die. Then he said, do you believe this? That's a question for you this morning. Do you believe it? We as believers need to know. No matter how bad things get here, though burdens begin to stack up, you can always lift your eyes beyond the burdens and look to the city that is is in in the heavens. It's the city that Abraham looked to and said, whose master and maker is our God. He is the architect of the ages. Everything that we need, Pastor Todd said it and James said it, the little brother of Jesus, said that every good thing and gift comes from God above. That means it flies out of the portals of glory when you need something. We look at our present surroundings. We see the turmoil that's going on. Heaven gives us motivation in the struggle of life. Many of you may feel like God is blind or deaf to what you're going through, but I can assure you the King of Kings sits on his mighty throne looking over the balconies of heaven and he sees everything that you are going through and he is able to make a way no matter what you're going through. He is able to say, rise up, child of God, believe in my promises and walk victorious. Praise God. The Bible says that we're being cheered on by a great cloud of witnesses that's telling you, run your race. 
Keep moving forward. Don't give up. Thunder through the heavens. That's what God wants us to do. Thrive, not just, oh, bless God, I got out of bread. This arthritis is acting up. No, no, rise up. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm walking in the power of the Spirit. Come on, that's what we need. That'll get you through day to day. You can look at your decaying body as you run on that torture rack called the treadmill and realize that a better body is coming. A better body is coming. What do I mean by having an eternal perspective? Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, And then if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the earth. You can have a healthy perspective. When you are sick, you can look to the one who is in heaven. That took all of the sickness upon his body to give you health. Amen. Amen. When you lack wisdom, you can look to the heavens who said that I will give you wisdom beyond your, your years. When you look and you feel lonely and rejected, you can look to the heavens, to the one that says I will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Set your mind where there's no suffering. There is peace. There is joy. There is, there is fullness of joy. Keep your eyes on where you are going and concentrate on who you are bringing with you. See, Christ being seated at the right hand of God tells us that he is seated in finality. He's not worried. Whatever is making us pace back and forth. He is seated. Over, he has overcome that. I'm talking about a place where our citizenship is in heaven right now. Right now, your name, if you are born again, is on a roll in heaven. And when the road is called up yonder, you'll be there. James tells us that our life is like a vapor. That means quickly. Quickly. Another example of an eternal perspective as we leave here to get there. No matter how you look at it, you got to leave here to get there, whether it's the death or the rapture. Both are great vehicles to a wonderful destination spot. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. For the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will raise imperishable, and we shall be changed. <laughs> Amen. My dad told my mom, Carol, it's time to go. He was going from one place to the next. And at the rapture of the church, it says, in the twinkling of an eye, you blink at .4 seconds. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. A twinkling of an eye is quicker than both. That means instantly we will transport from here into the portals of glory, and it can happen at any moment. Praise God. So you may be sitting worried about something. Don't let your mind stay on the things of this world. You can keep your mind that at any moment, while I'm sitting in the doctor's office, waiting on a test result, he could come in and I'm gone. 
1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That means there are things that we have no clue about, never saw, never heard of, can't even imagine, is waiting on the other side. We leave the old for the new. That's another perspective. Jesus said in Revelation 21.5, Behold, I am making all things new. What does that mean? What's the big deal? Listen, when you have a child, you, you have that child during birth, you hold the child, that euphoric feeling, that burst, right? Okay, some of that don't have kids. You, you, it, it's the crawfish season. You open up that bag of crawfish and you eat. And that euphoric feel that. <gasps> I, I, I never got to have a baby like that, but I can promise you it's better than crawfish. <laughs> All right. Or when you buy a new house. You walk into that new house. It's absolutely stunning and beautiful. No dust or nothing. You buy a new car. That new car smell. Eventually, these things will fade. Eventually, that little beautiful child will grow up to be Johnny terrorizing the house. And it will become a normal way of life for you. But with God, I am making all things new. That mean, that's present tense. That means it's always new. Oh, that means when you stand before Jesus, that burst, that new feeling never gets old. When you see your loved one, it never gets old. When you see the glory of the kingdom of God, it never gets old. You never get used to it. It never becomes a place where you say, I just need something different. You will burst from euphoric feeling, it will get better and better and better the whole time that you're there. That's what that means. The old is here and we leave suffering. That's another perspective. It says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Some suffer. You may be going through the most gut-wrenching trauma right now. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17 says, do not lose heart. But though our outer man is de decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day for the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Paul was not being sarcastic. He was not trying to make light no matter what we're dealing with. It's momentary and it's light when you have an eternal perspective. That's what Paul is saying. Don't get weighed down by circumstances that are trying to crush you. Heaven is heaven also because what is not there? Suffering is not there. Pain is not there. Sorrow is not there. I'm here to tell you, hold on. Whatever you're going through, keep moving forward. Keep reaching out. And one day soon, you will see all what we have suffered through. And it will be momentary, light, and we will not even be the least bit concerned. Luke 21, 25 through 28. And here the nations will be in turmoil, 
perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. But then it says, then everyone will see the coming of the Son of Man with, with, in the clouds with great power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand up and look for your salvation is near. The Bible will pull you into the spirit realm if you allow it to, and it will encourage your heart and soul to keep moving forward. Now is not the time to shrink back. But now is the time to move forward, to reach out for the things of God and keep going in the direction that God has called you to go in. Praise God. Praise God. (sighs) Number two, what is heaven? It's the home of God Almighty. Isaiah 63, 15 says, Lord, look down from heaven, look from your holy, glorious throne and see us. And I can assure you, he does. We need to know that we are leaving a place and going to a place. It is a place much like Lafayette, like Baton Rouge, like New Orleans, like New Iberia. It's a physical place that you and I will go to one day. You remember the story of Elijah and Enoch. They were walking one day and God said, hey guys, come up here with me. And they they were not there anymore. They were taken. They went to a real place. Your loved ones are in a real place right now, doing real things, walking real streets, worshiping a real God. Amen. Not some figment of imagination. Dear saints that lived in poverty here have left this world to live in opulent joy and wealth in houses that they did not build but whose maker and architect of the ages knew what was in their heart and is giving them that because that's the God that we serve, that we still serve. But even more valuable, the Lord Jesus Christ is there in all of his glory, in all of his power. There's no crying, no pain. It cannot enter into the kingdom. God will wipe away every tear and he will remove every source of crying when we stand before God Almighty. Every Christian should have this desire to serve God, but the flesh gets in the way. The flesh holds us down. We want to do more for God, but up there there's no need for five-hour energy because your energy will never cease. And you will get to serve God in the fullness and capacity that is beyond imagination. Heaven is a place of rewards and treasure. Both Matthew and Peter said that we get an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Matthew tells us, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven, for there is where your heart will be. That means what God has called you to do here, he will reward you for there. So take everything with you while you are here. Do everything God has called you to do. And when you stand before God, watch the majesty that God brings before you. Number three, we receive glorified bodies prepared for heavenly places. Why do we need glorified bodies? 1 Corinthians 15, 53 says, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. 
Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Now, why did I bring this up? Obviously, it's cool to have a supernatural body. But how many of you know that fleshly battle of the civil war of the soul will stay here? That capacity to sin will be left here when this perishable puts on imperishable. That means when the last shot is fired and the dust settles, you will stand before God without any type of struggle. (laughs) You will stand before God without the struggle of your spouse. In other words, their flesh won't bother you no more and your flesh won't bother them no more since there's a lot of halos in here this morning. (laughs) But I'm telling you what, I'm ready to get rid of this flesh because I know the battle that rages day in and day out, doing the right thing, thinking the right way, battling the flesh, battling the spirit, and one day that's going to be left here when we go into the portals of glory. Amen. Praise God. We will leave this gluten-free, dairy-free, Whole30 (laughs) drama. (laughs) All right, I knew, amen on that one. What are some of the characteristics? Remember, Jesus walked through walls. John 20, verse 19, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is why it's a good thing that sin will be removed from our body. Because some of y'all are going to be going through walls trying to scare people. And you don't need that sinful inclination. So God will remove that so you don't have to go around peeking in like, boo. (laughs) Jesus could also disappear and reappear at will. Remember on the road of Emmaus, it says that he vanished from their sight. Then he could also eat. Remember at Peter's restoration breakfast on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus made a fried fish meal to welcome Peter back. Jesus ate with them. He didn't have to eat. There was no calorie counting, no weight watchers. He just chose to eat. And 1 John 3, 2 says, when he appears, we will be like him. Another point, will we know our loved ones? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I have also been fully known. With a glorified body comes glorified knowledge. Glorified abilities. And this is the deal. You'll have a husband, you'll have a wife, you'll have your kids, your mom, your dad. But the only thing that will matter is the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Listen, on this earth, we have the ability to put people before God, which is idolatry. But with no sinful inclinations, we will not have that ability. In other words, I don't understand how it works, but I know we will love our family in perfect love, but it will not surpass the desire to be with the King of kings and Lord of lords, however that looks, because there's no idolatry. We won't be like, well, Jesus, I'd like to hang out with you, but I'm going to hang out with brother so-and-so. I believe that the glory of God will pull us towards him. We will always want to be in his presence. 
Praise God. Everything revolves around God. Let's look at a quick timeline of events. Because this is the part that would always confuse me. And I just felt like maybe, you know, it, it would help if we go from a little preaching to teaching. And if not, just please bear with me. <laughs> because I want, there's some things that get confusing. And I believe that if you understand them in their context, it will make more sense. Praise God. One event is called the rapture of the church. The, we talked about it earlier. I'm going to tell it to you again. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with the cry of a command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. And, and then it says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Somewhere after that is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is a second event. This takes place in the third heaven. Paul said, for we must all appear in 2 Corinthians 5.10, that each one may receive what is due in his own body, whether good or evil. In other words, everything that Christ has given us to do, you will not answer right here. Once you're in heaven, you're in heaven. There's no great white throne judgment for you. That means you just get judged based on the things that God has given you to do. This is where we get our crowns and we throw it at his feet. We worship God. We weep with joy in the presence of him that he can say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Many of your family members have done great and mighty things at this time. You have done great and mighty things at this time. You will stand before God and be rewarded. After that is what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb, where hopefully they have some southern cooks there. And we will, we will sit at a giant banquet hall, and we will sit there with Moses and Paul and mom and dad and mama and tantut and all of them, and we will joyously visit and partake. Remember, Jesus said that I will not drink of the cup until I drink of it afresh and anew in the kingdom. This is this time. And then they will have what is known as the second coming of Christ, where the Bible says that we will get on stallions. We will follow Jesus. He's, remember, in Revelation 19, it says that, that then I saw the heavens open, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge, and he comes down. I'm going to kind of speed up a little bit. And he comes down with uh, you and I will be following him. I don't know if you like horses, but praise God, we'll be able to ride them. <laughs> and he will come and destroy the enemies of Israel. He will set his foot on the Mount of Olives. Remember in the book of Acts, it said this same Jesus will come in likewise manner as you saw him go. And we have a picture. I think Doug might have it ready. Hopefully so. Nope, not that one. <laughs> It's one of the other ones. That, that's taken from the Mount of Olives. Jesus will stand there, walk through the Kidron Valley. You see that gate? He will walk through the eastern gate and set up his kingdom. And they will, we will go into what is called the millennial reign of Christ, which is the thousand-year reign where the Bible says you and I will rule and reign with him. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. Your child will be able to play in a cobra's nest. 
Now, I don't recommend you say, hey, come see Johnny. Go mess with that little coat. Let's see what, what happens. I wouldn't do that, but praise God, that can happen. It will be perfect peace. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. It'll be peace and prosperity on this earth like we have never seen before. There will be no more war. After the thousand years, Satan will be let out. He will lead an army against the kingdom of God, and God will destroy him by fire, and he will be cast into the lake of fire forever and forever, and that is the second death. Then the sixth event that happens is the great white throne judgment. Every lost sinner from the time of Adam until now will stand before God eternally condemned and judged because they did not receive Jesus Christ. The Bible says the books were open and he, and he saw the, both the small and the great standing before God's throne and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead, the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds and the death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. That gives us motivation. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we reach out to our loved one. There is a very real time coming and you and I have escaped it in the blood of Jesus because our faith and trust is in his ability. He paid your penalty. You will stand righteous before God. You walk this earth righteous before God because you are justified by what Jesus Christ has done. But we must get that message out to the whole world so they also can be redeemed. Praise God. That's the motivation. That's the goal. That's why we reach out to our loved ones. That's why we reach out to those around us. Then it says that in Peter, global warming is coming. It says the heavens will pass away with the roar and the elements and will be destroyed by intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. But then it says in verse 13, but according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which the righteous dwells. And we're going to stay in the area of looking at the the majestic city of God. Revelation 21, verse 1 and 2. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Imagine this. John is on the Isle of Patmos, separated from the church. And there's a sea, the Aegean Sea, keeping him separated. And he said, there's no sea. There's no separation. They're they're liable to not be any sea whatsoever. Because there's no need. Listen, when we start talking about this kind of stuff, I am not smart enough to tell you (laughs) What God's hydrological system looks like. <laughs> I have no clue. But Revelation 21, 10 through 14 says, He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, the 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. And there were three gates on each side. The east, the north, the south, and the west. 
The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the names written of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. This is telling us that God is showing us that he remembers his covenant with Israel, that he remembers his covenant with the church, that, that, that through the 12 tribes of Israel came the Messiah. Praise God. And through the 12 disciples, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So this is symbolism here. We also see a big, thick wall. <laughs> Listen, this, this wall has three gates on each side. It says that it's made of jasper, but it also says it's made of, like, clear diamond. Now, when you get into the jewelry aspect of it, things change over a period of time. And so some of the translation gets muddied as to what was a jasper because it says it's clear as diamond. Remember, diamond shows a variety of colors that are around, but we know that jasper is a green stone today. So I do not know. All I can say is it's possible it's a jasper-like diamond. Then it says, Revelation 21, 16 and 18, and the city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with a rod, 1,500 miles, its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. And the material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. So if Doug could put up the picture... Because I wanted to show you what the square would look like and how it would. This would be the size of the city. 1,500 square miles this way, 1,500 square miles this way, 1,500 square miles going up. I don't know if that's multiple levels of living. But either way, it's a big cube type thing. And it has three gates on each side. And the reason we know that, because John tells us the exact measurements now there's a giant wall and it's thick it's 72 yards thick not to bring up LSU not to bring up the Saints not to bring up UL but remember a hundred yard football field think about it 72 yards thick of a wall that's that's quite wide and it's clear as diamond. And it is sitting on 12 foundation stones. So basically, if you have a city from Canada to Mexico, from New York to Denver, that's how big the city of God is. I know it's hard to wrap your mind around. But I was looking up some of the measurements. If you have, I want to say it right. If you have a building that is a 12-foot story, okay, 1,500 miles, that's 600,000 stories tall. Now, apparently, also you will be able to live with approximately 2 million square miles. I mean, it would be 2 million square miles in that city. So that's this way, that's this way. Remember, there's, we have never seen anything like this. 
We've never seen transparent gold. We've never seen, the, if you look beyond this diamond wall, it's a clear city full of gold that your loved ones and my loved ones are seeing right now. Why is it clear? Nothing can block the glory of God. There's not some big block piece of gold that God cannot penetrate through. Imagine the glory of God shining and illuminating through everything of beauty that we know here. The wall sits on 12 foundation stones. So you have this giant diamond type 72 yard Thick wall, 1,500 miles. I mean, it's amazing. And these are some of the colors. It goes from clear diamond to dark green to dark blue to greenish blue to red and white to bright red to golden yellow to blue green to yellow green to apple green to blue and to purple. That's the color of these stones that are mentioned in the Bible. Imagine that beauty. Beyond comprehension, with the glory of God shining through it, it will be amazing. But one of the things that really struck me was in Revelation 21, 21 through 27. It says, in the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. Excuse me, I've had some sinus issues all week. <laughs> And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it. In other words, the sun is looking at the city and it was like, well, guys, you don't need me no more. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the glory of God would make the sun blush. Think about it. I'm talking about sheer, majestic glory that we have never even thought of or imagined of. It says, and the city has no need for the sun, and the glory of God has illuminated it, and the lamp is the lamb, and the nation shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it, and in the daytime there shall be no night there. Its gates shall never be closed, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now, when I was reading about the gate of pearl, if that means this wall is this big, huge, and this one giant pearl, on th the, these giant pearly gates on each side, I read a commentary on what this would mean. And it struck me. It made me see things differently. And I just want to share it with you. It says, all other precious gems are metal or stones. But a pearl is a gem formed within an oyster. It's the only one formed by living flesh. The humble oyster receives an irritation or a wound. And around the offending article that has penetrated it and hurt it, the oyster builds a pearl. The pearl, we might say, is the answer of the oyster to that which injured it. And the glory land is God's answer in Christ to the wicked men who crucified heaven's beloved and put him to open shame. How like God is it to make the gates of the new Jerusalem pearl? 
The saints, as they come and go, will be forever reminded as they pass the gates of glory that access to God's home is only because of Calvary. Think of the size of those gates. Think of the supernatural pearls from which they are made. What gigantic suffering is symbolized by those gates of pearls? Through the endless ages, we shall be reminded by those pearly gates of the immensity of the suffering of Christ, that those pearls hung eternally, as it were, as the access route to the glory that will remind us forever of the one who hung upon a tree, whose answer to those who injured him and who invite them in to forever share his home. Praise God. That will be a reminder that though he was wounded, come on in because he was wounded for our our transgressions. And all those that wounded him, he is saying, welcome in to the kingdom when our faith is put in the blood of Jesus. Heaven is entered in by suffering. But it's entered in by the suffering that Christ took in our place. These gates never close. You know, many of you may live in a gated community. You live in that gated community at night because, number one, there's night and bad things can happen at night. People can break in. And when you're sleeping, you need safety. There's no night there. There's no sleeping there. We live in an eternal state of rest. We don't live in a, in a position or of, of worry, of wondering if somebody's going to come in and do something. The cities back in the day would close their gates for protection, but there is no need for protection because there is nothing evil that can enter into that place, that glorious place of heaven. Then it says the nations will bring in their glory. That's ethnicity. That means all the nations of the world, every tribe and tongue will be able to come there. It says in kings. Come on, there's no king that can stand in the presence of God. So what does that mean? Whoever thinks that themselves to be glorious here, if they walk into that, that kingdom, that very glory, it says that their, their glory will enter into the kingdom. It means Everything, even our, what we do, when God gives us crowns, any glory that we receive will be given into the kingdom of God, will be given to the one who is above it all, to the king of kings and lord of lords. No king can walk to that city and say, let me add glory, for glory will be absolved and re- received into the kingdom. That's what it means. There's nothing that we can bring to God. He is glorious. He is mighty. We cannot add glory to God. If anything, we partake in his glory. We bask in his glory. We enjoy his his glory. His glory bathes the city. His glory bathes our glorified body. It will be a time of majesty. Our hearts and minds cannot even Wrap, it, wrap our brains around what is waiting for us. The Bible says that there is a, in verse 22, 1 through 5, the angel showed me a river of the water of life as crystal flowing from the throne of God. In the middle of the street, on every side of the river, the tree of life, which 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree 
We're for the healing of the nations. It means the therapy of the nations. That means whatever is going on there, there's no sickness. But something with that tree will enhance our life. You know what I'm glad? There's that tree. There's no tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we don't have to go through that again. (laughs) Praise God. We just got a tree of life. And whatever river that is, I don't know if it's a real river. I don't know if it's a symbolic river. I don't know if you remember when Jesus talked about the woman at the well. It says, you have river, but I, water, but I give you a water that you know nothing about. It could be symbolic. Like I said, I don't know the hydrological system in heaven. But either way, it will enhance our experience in an already perfect world. It will be therapeutic. You know, we take vitamins here not because something's wrong. It enhances our way of life. There's something on those trees that will enhance our way of life. That's the best way that I can explain it. I don't know. Proverbs 3.18 says, the wisdom is a tree of life to those that embrace her. Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Proverbs 13.12 says, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs 15.4 says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. So I don't know, but I can tell you one thing. It will be glorious because it has come out of the mind of God. And it is in the place of God. Revelation 21.22, it says, I saw no temple there. For the Lord God Almighty is the temple. What does that mean? There'll be no certain day to go worship God. You won't have to go to a place to worship God. You will be encapsulated. There will never be a time where you're not in perfect worship and communion with God. There's never a time where you say, you know what, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I want to go do this. The glory of God will be pulling you in to constant joy and peace and in ravishment and in joy and rapture. And you will bask in the very presence of God. They won't have those selfish tendencies to be like, oh, man, I'm glad that service is over. Now let me go do something over here. Everything about God will be something that just pulls us in to his joy and peace. You know, when it says Elohim, it's God's name in plural, which means it gets better and better and better. That's what it means in the Hebrew. It means when you just when you think you know something of God, he gets better and better. And we will spend millions and billions of years growing in the joy and peace that is God. I don't know if... Your mind is getting this because my tongue sure isn't. (laughs) Then it says, Revelation 22, 3 and 4, and there was no longer any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and we shall serve him, and we shall see his face. We shall see what Moses could not see. We will see the very glory of God, and I am sure that it will baffle us. We will be like, oh, praise God. Look, it's even better than I have even imagined. Are you excited, saints? (laughs) We will get to be with Jesus. 
It, it don't get better than that. These words fall flat. I cannot explain the glory of God. Listen, it won't be some boring time. I, I mean, people's like, oh, man, am I going to worship God the whole time? Listen, that's all you, we're going to want to do. Even here, we get tired of things in God's presence. Come on, when you're in church here and God's presence just floods your system, you're like, oh, God, don't let this in. Imagine in pure enravishment of God, and it doesn't have to end. It never will end. Praise God. As we close, can we stand? I want to give us the last point. How do we get there? That's the most important part, right? How we get there. Revelation 21, 7 and 8, it says, All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. It said, But cowards, unbelievers, corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which is the second death. You see, Jesus came to remove that from us. That is who we were before Christ. Those that practice that type of lifestyle, it says, will not enter the kingdom of God. But remember what we read earlier. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I, that where I am, there you will be also. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where, where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is how it happens. Praise God. Praise God. You don't have to worry about being on the outside of that city. Because right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him. How many of you can say, Kelly, I am one of those that the Bible talks about, and I want my sins forgiven. I want you to shoot your hand up, and I want to pray for you right now. Come on, this is the time to make things right. You may say, man, I've been, I see your hand, I see your hand, praise God. Come on, now's the time to make it right. God sees what's going on in your life. He sees, but he can deliver you from unrighteousness by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth to take all of our sin upon himself. When you confess your sin, you say, Lord, I have broken your laws. Lord, I have done those things that your word says I should be out of the kingdom for. But I know that you have paid the price and I put my full faith and trust in your finished work which is the cross of Calvary. If you can say that I want to do that this morning, I want to put my faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me see your hand again. And I want to pray with you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise God. I want everyone to pray with me as we, as we lead them in a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I have sinned against you. And I ask 
that you would forgive me, that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive your life in place of mine. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying my penalty. I confess that you are Lord and that you were raised from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I'm a child of the Most High King. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask, amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Now, I want to just share something with you. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, you will see a green card in front of you, and it says, I've made a decision. We just want you to fill it out and drop it off to the info center just to let us know so we can know that you made that decision. And if you need prayer for anything, we would like you to come up and allow us to stand and pray with you. And if not, we want to thank you for coming to Family Life Church, the house of God. Be blessed and you are dismissed. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God.